cultural intelligence, the technical definition, you know, after kind of playing with it for a couple of years, is three action verbs. It's actually pretty simple but profound. It's the ability to be aware of, understand, and apply cultural competence and inclusive data into your everyday business. So you're aware when you see something is happening in the markets, in the category you serve, in the business circles you see. You understand when you do the homework and actually double click into that stuff and see how big is it? What are the implications? What do the numbers tell me? But unless you apply it, it becomes just this wishful thinking and an academic exercise with no input into your plans. And that does nothing. Welcome to the Founders Journey podcast. Inspiration, education for founders by founders. Hey, welcome back to the Founders Journey podcast uh, here today with my co-host, Peter Dean, and uh, and a guest we're both uh, super excited about having on. How are you, Peter? Good. I'm great. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to welcome our guest real quick, and I'll do the quick intro, but uh, Lily Gilvaletta is with us today. So really uh, thrilled to have Lily on the podcast today. An incredible story you're going to hear all about uh, in a minute. So Lily, welcome. Thank you so much, Greg and Peter. What a treat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know how when you talk about hiring smarter people than you, like part of what we do on this podcast is get smarter people than us, and you're one of them. <laughs> that that makes you a very smart man. I love it. <laughs> well, admittedly, it's also a pretty low bar. So you know, it's uh, you're clear to buy a mile versus you know uh, versus us. Just real quick before we get started, uh, just one quick thing in my sort of constant. Uh, my constant random location thing with uh, doing these podcasts, both actually Lily and I are sitting in, in airport lounges uh, and different, in different parts of the country. But uh, so if you hear a bunch of background noise and stuff, it's, it's the two of us trying to do this from an airport. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, Lily is a, uh, she's a award-winning entrepreneur, recognized cultural intelligence expert. We're going to talk a lot about that AI tech innovator, World Economic Forum, global leader, so um, and co-founder of Culture Plus Group, which is a brand new conglomerate of four different companies. If she looks familiar to you, um, she's a regular commentator on Fox News, Fox Business, CNN. has been featured in every major publication out there. So Lily, like we said, it's a, uh, it's a great pleasure to have have you with us today and love to just kind of get started with with your story, right? You're You're a founder. Um, in mm -hmm. this podcast is for founders. Tell us about Culture Plus Group, Culture Intel, how you got going with these businesses, what sort of what inspires you to start? That's right. Well, um, Greg, I love, by the way, the name of your podcast, because the journey is a journey. And to me, the journey implies that it kind of never ends. So for those listening, do not panic. But it's true. It never ends. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so That's it so is true. It is. Sure. It is a moving target. If you really are in the pursuit of growth and innovation and excellence, it should not stop. But um, anyway, um, back to the background noise. My apologies. But I think this is this is very representative of the journey itself. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. In, in a way, the fact that both you and I are on the go and in our airport lounges validates the fact, people, those of you listening, that it's a very dynamic journey. But anyway, back to um, my stories. Let me start with the end in mind. Thank you for acknowledging our group, which now has consolidated um, cultural intelligence companies underneath 
a conglomerate structure. Culture Plus Group was just announced to the media. We were featured by AdAge recently in a big splash uh, about two months ago. Uh, and really is the consolidation of cultural intelligence services for big corporations that want to successfully reach America's fastest growing consumer markets and diverse segments, which we see shifting demographics, but a lot of the big corporations don't know how to go about it. And it's not just goodwill and translating things to Spanish that are going to do the trick. So that's what we do. We do research, business strategy, training and analytics as well. We do uh, shopper marketing and media, all with a cultural intelligence twist, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But honoring your question about the journey, um, it really started with me as a young immigrant coming to this country when I was 17 from Colombia. That's where I'm originally from. And when I came, first of all, I didn't speak English. And second of all, I had zero desire to be ever, ever, ever an entrepreneur. Shocker. A lot of people don't even realize that. I wanted to be a corporate executive, and that was the path that I was on, and that was what I was very proudly working towards. I saw myself in the C-suite before 40. That was actually my goal uh, from the very beginning. It sounded like you're actually pretty along the path to that goal of being in the C-suite by 40. Mm -hmm. and you were definitely along the way to do that. Exactly. So my journey which was not one of entrepreneurship, definitely was chasing the C-suite before 40, as I just said. And I was working very hard towards that. So, yeah. so you're right. So my corporate career, uh, the bulk of it was at Johnson & Johnson, where I spent a decade. Yep. Uh, before that, I was in other big corporations, a lot of healthcare, actually. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize that when they kind of see what I do today. But I love the world of healthcare. I feel like it's the type of work that can impact genuinely lives and sometimes mm -hmm. save lives. Um, but anyway, so back to the journey, I never ever wanted to be a founder, um, really was looking at C-suite and the role that it represents. However, in my corporate job, when I was at J&J um, heading global marketing services in the pharma sector, which is now J&J has split up, but at the time yep. it was and is the biggest contributor to revenues and growth for the whole corporation worldwide. Um, so I had a big job at a very young age. And I guess ignorance is bliss because I didn't even realize <laughs> it was so big at the time. Yep. And this applies to any entrepreneur, whether you're selling cupcakes or AI. Um, what I saw was an emerging trend that nobody was paying attention to. So yep. I think that is the gist of entrepreneurship. And we can call it entrepreneurship now as we see it in the era of I don't know, Shark Tank and everyone wants to drop out of yeah. traditional careers and do this thing. Yeah. Well, you can be an intrapreneur inside a corporation. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I started doing without knowing that was a thing. When I saw that there were shifting demographics projected out five, 10 years ahead that were showing that at some point we were going to be a majority minority nation. I saw that not through the lens of DEI, because now everybody's talking about inclusion and these things. No, I literally, I'm going to confess here on this podcast, genuinely saw it as in commercial and business growth signal. Yep. And that's what moved me to kind of see the numbers differently and challenge yeah. the way we were going to market at the time with J&J's, you know, compounds that were in the pipeline and new product mm -hmm. development, you name it. And I realized, wait a second. 
I'm looking at numbers and trends that are going to impact our expectations with the street, my sales forecast, and how we go to market. And it was the light bulb moment and created this task force out of nowhere. I guess my first incubated, you know, startup was inside J&J, yep. which was the creation of a task force to look into the shifting demographics and what they meant to the business. And also um, the quest for strategists or consultants or agencies, somebody that could help me figure this out into the market. So I did my market research, looking at the outside world and who's out there that knows how to do this. And the combination of numbers and trends, nobody was paying attention with a market that was kind of scarce for experts that could help yeah. a giant corporation figure this out, gave me the idea to create the company I couldn't find to hire. And fast yeah. forward 13 years later, here we are. So that is kind of like the spark that yeah. started the journey. It's it's so funny, you know, when we hear that kind of story a lot, we actually just had a guest on last week and it was the same, a different, obviously very different business and stuff, but really it was exactly that same sort of inception story of I created the business that I couldn't find, but I needed, right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, there's just such a, I think, common path into this for the, you know, when somebody's kind of getting into the entrepreneur world for the first time. So this is kind of what led you down the path of this concept, right, of cultural right. intelligence, which is sort of this feels like the sort of centerpiece of all of the businesses that you're operating today. Mm -hmm. Can you can you talk about that? What is it? How does it kind of relate to not only, you know, the services that you're delivering, but sort of the, you know, the the world as you see it? Exactly. Well, the term itself hit me in my corporate job as well. I was literally sitting in my office in New Jersey, <laughs> in J&J &J land, and realized, wait a second, all of us leaders, you know, in, in the MBAs and business training we all get, we know that emotional intelligence is important. Okay, check that box. And then we also know, obviously, that you got to know your stuff. So that is where the CQ, no, the IQ comes into play, right? Preparation, the numbers, the know-how. And then it just kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a second. If these numbers of shifting demographics are real, then we're going to need to have cultural intelligence into our business plans to understand the role that culture and those shifts play into the business decisions we make. So fast forward a few years, uh, I mean, we... I, filed the patent and the trademark at the time. I guess now many people are using the term and my lawyers are quite busy with that. But anyhow, um, but which is a, a sign of flattery, by the way. I love yeah. it, that people borrow it. But it's cultural intelligence, the technical definition, you know, after kind of playing with it for a couple of years, is three action verbs. It's actually pretty simple but profound. It's the ability to be aware of, understand, and apply cultural competence and inclusive data into your everyday business. So you're aware when you see something is happening in the markets, in the category you serve, in the business circles you see, you understand when you do the homework and actually double click into that stuff and see how big is it? What are the implications? What do the numbers tell me? But unless you apply it, it becomes just this wishful thinking and an academic exercise with no input into your plans and that does nothing. So that is why aware, understand and apply cultural competence, which is that intelligence. This I'm not talking about empathy and DEI stuff. No, we're talking about yeah. having the know-how of what these shifts mean to your business, to your goals, to your markets and the data to embed it into your everyday business. So it's not one person's job 
again, follow the evidence. This is not me just saying it because I'm in this body of work. Um, it really becomes kind of mathematically impossible for any leader in corporate America, which is my audience, at least to achieve their full potential in growth without cultural intelligence into their plans because of the numbers. So that is kind of how we go about it. And you're right. So all of our businesses now that it's a conglomerate, a global conglomerate, um, really parts from that point of view that without cultural intelligence, businesses, brands, companies, corporations are going to fall short. And we come in right. with the data, the strategy, the solutions, the creativity to help them get over the hump. And the data is really compelling, mm -hmm. really exactly. compelling. And you said, I've heard you say before, return on inclusion for ROI. Yes. yes. And, and then versus return on ignored. And that's really <laughs> what you're talking about, right? That's right. That's exactly, exactly right. In fact, uh, another shameless plug here. Thank you for allowing me to throw it in. Um, there is a reason why at a, at a time when the world was quite stressed out right after COVID, right? So 2020, George Floyd, a lot of very serious matters that kind of brought a whole new sensitivity to the world. Yeah. Um, I actually did that kind of rebellious title of a TED talk called Diversity yeah. is Overrated. And it was for that very reason, because we could make this performative and compliance driven or realize that unless we take action in understanding the demographic shifts of our country and what it means for everyone's well-being and economy, yeah. we may be falling short and not stay competitive. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a different take, a little bit of a rebellious capitalistic twist, but still always with a heart and the purpose behind it. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, I think that's so, that's, to me is what is so interesting about what you talk about, right? You you talk about a lot of culture trends and you're talking about diversity, but as not necessarily a means to altruism, we all know it's altruistic. We all know it's yeah. the right thing to do, right? And that's the hard part of it. But the actual hard economics that you're talking about, how does that message resonate, right? I, I guess I'm really curious about this because when you yeah. You're going into a company and, and you're you're sort of shifting this dialogue from, hey, this isn't just about really just Compliance. feeling good. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. it's really right. it's it's actually about growing your company, right? And exactly. what is what's do you get pushback on that? What's the what's the sort of feeling that people have yeah. about that message? So I, I do feel like, and it's not just me, by the way, shout out to my whole team. We have well over a hundred people all over the country and in Latin America. And we just had our first hire um, officially, even in the Middle East. So because cultural intelligence is something that applies to every corner of the planet, depending yes. on the context, right? But anyhow, so to answer your question, Greg, I think the best indicator of how well this is resonating or not is the fact that our, our firm for two years in a row has been listed by Inc. 5000 as one of America's fastest growing privately owned companies. Um, and let's caveat that with the fact that every one of our clients is a Fortune 100. So um, I feel incredibly responsible because we are shifting um, budgets as well as redirecting hearts and minds in the boardrooms of corporate America. And we're able to do that because it's not an emotional discussion. It's not a performative discussion. Um, it's not because all of us and the SEC is demanding a new ESG disclosure. It genuinely is because it makes business sense. And by the way, when you have an inclusive approach to your business decisions, you also have 
societal impact. So it's almost like you get you get to kind of have your cake, eat it too, and put all the toppings that you want as well to enjoy it because it's it's purposeful profits that deliver impact and growth. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that. We're not just consultants that come and preach a good message. Uh, the work that we do has unlocked for our Fortune 100 clients double-digit growth in categories that to them were either flat or declining. And, and in that process of unlocking double-digit growth by tapping into the power of, you know, Hispanics, women, Black Americans, you name it, with precision, not to perform, but to really serve and deliver growth, um, then it becomes a, a, a mute point to try to argue whether this is right or not, whether we need to invest in it or not. But don't get me wrong, we still are every single day in some capacity, my team is presenting these case for action numbers, depending on the category, because we work from everyone from the Googles of the world to, you know, big pharma clients like J&J and Gilead and yeah. Genentech, you name it. So it's it has to be a personalized message that speaks to the numbers and growth patterns of that category. But the numbers are easy because they speak for themselves. So um what surprises me, though, Greg, sorry for my long-winded answer, is that even to no, this please. day, even to this day, like 13 years later since I left J&J, &J, where I first kind of put this message on a stage and presented it to the CEO at the time and the executive committee, um, still feels for most corporations that we work with as new news, which, again, it gives me comfort because it's kind of like job security for my team. <laughs> Right. But well, yeah, it's it's. But it, at the it same time, growth, it's like, right. oh my gosh, we're still talking about this, even though the numbers much, are. So, you know? It's like the yeah. numbers are right. so clear. But anyhow, yeah. I I love it, and it's a big responsibility, and we keep scaling it and making it more sophisticated, tech enabled, full of like frameworks, methodologies, and and it's just a lot of fun to get to yeah. influence the boardrooms. So we want to take this to like the startup founder, right? So cl yeah. clear, obvious implications to the to kind of the topics that are discussed in boardrooms today, right? If you're a startup founder and you gave, you know, I've seen other, you've written about and spoken about and some great examples, right? Of brands that have been built, great beats and, you know, other, mm -hmm. other brands that have really been built around this concept. Yes. If you're a startup founder, how should you be thinking about that incorporating the cultural demographics that changes yeah. the trends in the U.S. Wow. into your kind of thinking about your strategy as a startup. I love it. Well, first of all, and this is going to sound a bit weird coming from a, an immigrant Latina right here. You don't have to be from the community, speak Spanish, have a certain last name or coloring to be good at this. Um, in fact, what I tell people often is, hey, this is no different than how let's say marketers had to up their game with everything digital. So at some point, and now I'm totally dating myself, definitely a decade ago, you had to hire digital experts. Now, if you are selling, you know, birthday cards or flower arrangements or sophisticated whatever security, cybersecurity services, if you don't know digital, you don't know marketing, period. So it became just the mainstream way of doing things. So I do see this notion of cultural intelligence as that new superpower that everybody has to exercise on if they want to stay relevant in a multicultural nation that we serve 
of customers, of people, of voters, of employees, whatever it is that you're chasing. Um, and that will become the norm. So that kind of sounds crazy and contradicting because I do feel like at some point, if we do our job well over decades and decades, we should no longer be needed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's um, like know your but, audience is what you're yes, saying. Yes, right? exactly. Really it's need back to know to your the audience. basics. Yeah. That's right, Peter. You know, it's like if you are opening an ice cream shop in Miami, which is yeah. 70 plus percent Hispanic, you better have dulce de leche flavor in there. I mean, seriously, yeah. things like that, you know? Yeah. So, and, and you don't have to be a Hispanic shop owner to know that. It just yep. doing market research. So I think we're now turning it into this more kind of like mysterious thing that you almost have to dance around or be worried not to say the wrong thing. And what I tell founders or business leaders equally is just go do the homework. Where do you live? Where is the consumer and population growth coming from? What are their unmet needs and how do you fill those needs? And just don't be blinded to the fact that when you are inclusive in understanding everybody's needs and those segments that are driving growth is not just because you're excluding and segregating, it's you're just being smart. You're now, getting full market opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. But here's the cool thing about it. Mm -hmm. The cultural things you mentioned beats when when Beats was purchased, if you were just a black and white analyst looking at the valuation, it made no sense. Seriously. Like what kind of IP, new technology did they have? They were buying cultural equity. And that had right. an intrinsic value that gave it a premium. And the same thing happens with, you know, tortillas sell more than bread in America. Mm -hmm. You know, Sofia Vergara is still seven, ten years on a row, the highest paid television actress in the world, not just in America. Yep. And she owns a pillar culture. You know, we've seen the Bad Bunny revolution where, you know, now that I live in Texas, my friends in Texas don't even believe me when I tell them, guys, Latin music is more popular than country music in the United States. <laughs> and they're like, what? It's I, like sac sacrilegious. And I'm like, no, it's true. <laughs> I spend half my time in Montana. So that 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 is a. Uh, exactly. That, that's a, That part of the revolution hasn't made it up there yet. But, it's, like, yeah. it's so crazy. But I bet you we pick it's, up a 13 year old in Montana's like phone and Spotify. No, and I bet they no have some bad bunny in there. I bet yeah. you no they do. Doubt. So you're absolutely right. So it's good for business because the yep. mainstream of America and music and entertainment kind of are good guardrails for where the world is turning are already showing everybody. I don't care what business you're in, that you got to pay attention yep. to those cultural dynamics and capitalize on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of capitalizing on it, right? Mm -hmm. Where, I mean, you've obviously, you've built a night, you've built a, a great brand for yourself and your business now, right? Where do you, where does this go for you? What's kind of the, how are you thinking about your business moving forward? Because yeah. you're, you're the prime example, right? Of, of being on the front of this, uh, you know, of this kind of new way of thinking. Right? Yeah. So it's interesting, Greg, if you had asked me this question, maybe three years ago, I probably would be giving you a completely different answer. Um, Cause it, it's so funny uh, how many of us founders, and I get asked this question all the time, like, Ooh, why haven't you been acquired? Right. It's almost like, well, since when did the American dream became selling the dream? Like, yeah, wait. So we are paraded and courted by people that want to buy us. I would have probably answered something along those lines that, oh, yeah, maybe we team up with a strategic, you know, one of the big four yep. consultants yeah. or somebody. Maybe that'll happen. I won't jinx it. But 
at least how I see it right now, the numbers and the market is so prime for growth as we are experiencing it. Um, I see ourselves flipping the script, meaning instead of hoping to be acquired by a strategic, how about we become the strategic tip of the spear that also acquires underneath and create the conglomerate power of cultural intelligence that corporate America needs in the U.S. and abroad. But I cannot do that alone. This is not yeah. the Lily show or my business partner, Enrique. It, we, that's, we have a team and there's a lot yeah. of people doing great work. So what I would like to see is that we become as big and powerful as the big conglomerates or the big consultants That's that awesome. have been able to grow through acquisition. So we're in conversations, maybe part two of the podcast, we're in conversations with some very strategic capital growth providers, uh, some very strategic potential allies or collaborators for acquisition underneath or JVs. So that the breadth of what cultural intelligence means as an ecosystem of solutions, it has more of the Avengers together than just one, one with one superpower, which right now has been my firm and, and the conglomerate. So yep. I see us growing into the recognized cultural intelligence expert with every facet of business ranging from AI powered technologies to very sophisticated, you know, market commercial campaigns um, that are tapping in with a culture first mindset in everything we do. So uh, watch out. Maybe we will be the next Accenture, right? <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, and, that's the and maybe by, that's the maybe best by yes. And maybe by the then Accenture, Accenture, because they have pockets that are way bigger than mine for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe they will acquire us. Who knows? But yeah. at this near term, I want to scale and help scale other like-minded people so that we are the default solution for these big corporations that continue to have the need. Um, so more yeah. to come on that because we're in the middle of conversations with very well, exciting that's, people. That's great. <laughs> and that's it. And, and, yes. You know, so much of so much of what you're doing, right? Because you are like like we just said, I mean, you are living sort of on the front edge of this, of what you know is this massive demographic shift. That demographic shift creates this sort of macroeconomic tailwind that's gonna that's right. That's gonna really drive your business going forward, right? And it's it's rare when you see when you're a and sort of just take it out of the cultural context or anything like that. But just if you look at startups in general, it's just so it's so rare when you can get that kind of a tailwind behind mm -hmm. you that really just pushes the growth of the business. And it's something, yeah, in a million years, I wouldn't be selling if I were you right now. But hey, <laughs> no. That's, that's no, exactly right. <laughs> that's right. Grow, that's right. Grow bigger think, than them. Let them okay. be the yeah. laggards. That's, that's exactly right. right. And, and you know what is so funny? You said it's, I, I do pinch myself and I feel very responsible for the role we play. Um, actually, my business coach, shout out to him, Rand Stegen is his name, and, and Chris Johnson, I have two. But, but Rand did tell me this year, actually, in a very kind of sobering conversation, she said, Lily, you guys are the company that corporate America needed for such a time like this. And it didn't happen because of COVID, George Floyd, DEI, and awakening. It happened because we've been prepping for it for a decade. So it's yeah, been right. at the right place at the right time, right? So many are jumping into it with the narrative, with the saying they're inclusive. But I feel like you cannot improvise preparation. Um, and right. we've been preparing and demonstrating this for, for a long time. 
Um, so it is right. You're, you're right. The tailwind and the perfect storm is one that um, I see it with responsibility and a little bit of, of, of sweatiness in my palms, which is good because otherwise we're not dreaming big enough. Um, and just excitement, excitement altogether, because I think we'll lift many boats in that journey. Yeah. Well, it's an extraordinary story. Uh, thrilled that you were able to share it. Share uh, it. I know you've got a flight to catch here. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but really thrilled that you were able to uh, to join us and share it. And yeah, we definitely need to have a part two on this one. Yeah. To see where this. Uh, yes, me too. Where this goes. Absolutely. And Greg and Peter, I guess for for those listening that maybe are thinking, "Gee, but I'm not selling stuff to corporate America or things like that," um, I think that principles are the same. There is a cultural curiosity that everyone in business needs to have because when Absolutely. you have that curiosity, that means you have empathy and discipline to understand and learn who you serve as your market. And that in itself will tell you where you need to head and, and go. Um, so there is that. And then the other thing is maybe for those that are not entrepreneurs yet, you don't have to wait to jump ship and quit something to become something else. Uh, to me, entrepreneurship is a mindset. It's not a title that you have just when you quit your corporate job, like in my case. And you can start creating the new or tapping into a trend that others maybe are lagging and seeing today. It really does. Yeah. And then the last point, because a lot of people, it's so funny. I mean, I'm all made up like this, not because I look like this all the time. I just came from a TV show <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Um, yes, P but, uh, incidentally, uh, Peter, Peter and I yeah. actually do look like this all the time. So we're, uh, Hey, it's we, easier. It's we don't easier get asked the, in the team for the show. gentleman, but anyway, <laughs> but where I'm going with that is like a lot of people do tell me today because they only maybe yeah. see what we post on LinkedIn or watch me yeah. on TV, whatever. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it must be nice to be the CEO of your company when you have a platform like television. I'm like, well, that wasn't always the case. And no. I do not have. Shocker. I do not have a PR agent. I don't have bookers that do this stuff for me. The way I ended up on television, and I'm saying this because anyone listening could get there too, was because I started a YouTube channel in 20, in 2009, actually. This was before everybody had like makeup tutorials and funny cats on YouTube. So <laughs> seriously. So, but so true. And it was because I started putting video content to teach people the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And that was seen by a TV agent slash producer that totally stalked me, which was so funny. I thought he was a creep and he's a great guy and became my friend. But <laughs> he was just like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. So I literally got discovered on YouTube. So, yeah. That's how I ended up on television eventually. And here I am still doing it. I don't get paid by any network, but I get to be an expert in my field. So anyone, anyone listening, you have a phone, you have more platforms than I had a decade yeah. ago to from writing LinkedIn articles once a month, at least, or putting videos on YouTube about your industry or featuring your products in a clever way on social media. There is no excuse for everybody to become their own megaphone and voice for their expertise. And the magic is, oh, how do you tell that story differently? How are you adding value and not just selling stuff? And because right. it happened to me very organically, 
Greg and Peter. It was so bizarre. I had never, ever thought or had the aspiration of being on television. Um, now I enjoy it. I think it's fun and I feel responsible to, to be a voice and be mm -hmm. a diverse voice on television sets. But um, anyone can do it. So there's no excuse, people. If you are selling cupcakes, be the absolute best cupcake, you know, tip content creator that there is. Write articles about it. Give us ideas about holidays and occasions. Everyone can do this. So don't wait for others to do it for you. And no, you don't have to hire some expensive, you know, PR agent. Uh, PR people don't hate me for this comment. But in my case, I have never done that. So, it's so we have a future you're saying? Greg, yes, <laughs> be, be good at your craft, guys. Keep sharing the journey. So, it's uh, it's so funny, and, and and to wrap it up, I just I wanted I wanted to I just want to say one thing about how Lily ended up on the show, right? Because it's a, a perfect <laughs> testament to what you just said. I I saw you on Fox one day. I was like, this would be a great topic for the podcast. Uh -huh. I'm just going to reach out to her, right? And normally, when that happens, we end up getting to a booking agent or a I don't have my assistant. I I I sent I sent Lily a, a direct message on LinkedIn, and I think it was like three minutes later. You're like, yeah, sure, I'm in. It's like, Holy crap! That actually literally texting. He's like, guess what? I just happened. <laughs> <laughs> so so don't so be afraid to are, ask. That's right. Don't be afraid to ask it. You are that humble, and uh, and Thank we really you. we really do appreciate it. It's just a oh, great story. I love and, it. Uh, and I love thrilled it. to have you on. Well, and that's the other thing, entrepreneurs. Anyone that reaches out on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, please yeah. respond. I mean, I feel so bad. And Greg, I mean, it was it meant to be because I'm not that good at responding timely. <laughs> so <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I just got lucky. It yeah. was just it was just it was meant to be. But you know, I wasn't always on major networks or big interviews. I've answered all calls because I feel the audiences that you, for example, cater to deserve that respect and want to hear the information. And the more you replicate it, the better it is. So don't be a snob either, entrepreneurs. Maybe at the beginning you get called by someone you don't know, but that is one more place to replicate your value. So go for it. That's right. Uh, Lily, last question. How do people reach you? If they want information on what you're doing, Obviously, you know, with your companies, if they want to, right. Yeah. LinkedIn, I can tell you that works. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know, how else like a uh, website, uh, you know, what's the best way to kind of get information about what you're doing? Yeah. So kind of to learn more about the conglomerate and who we are now as culture plus group, you can just type that out. Cultureplusgroup.com is the website for our group. You can find me on social media all over. So Lily Gill USA is what it is on Instagram. Um, a good old Google search will probably pull up a lot of information too, which is kind of scary sometimes, but it's all in there. <laughs> Got it. Um, well, we'll, and, we'll yeah. add the socials to the, uh, to the show links as well. So people can, uh, can find Absolutely. you there as well. Awesome. Awesome. And LinkedIn, LinkedIn works, Greg. It connected us. <laughs> it does. It does. Every time. Um, thanks, Lily. Really appreciate you being here. We'd definitely love to have you back. Um, uh, have a safe flight and, uh, hopefully we both make it out of airports in the next, uh, in the <laughs> I know. Please, so. please go have a glass of wine on on, on my behalf. <laughs> I will. Uh, that is that is my next stop. Absolutely. Take care, Lily. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you, guys. Adios. Bye. Bye.